everyone, and welcome to the TAMS Percussion Podcast. Don't forget to support us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. For any questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach us at TAMSPercussion at gmail.com or TAMSPercPodcast on Instagram. Hey everybody, I'm Michael DeLise here at TAMS Percussion Podcast, and we're back here for episode three. So before we get started, Sky, how are you doing today? You know what? I have had a great weekend and with college being, you know, college, like it's great to finally have some, a bit of breathing room. Uh, Sylvain, how are you today? I am actually very stressed because I, I think I kind of overload myself too much with too many projects. Like I think I'm going to do like a concerto competition thing with a saxophone friend and then I'm trying to do this thing for the Pasig Marimba Orchestra, which you guys should all come to because I'm performing uh, with Gordon Stout. And yeah, just like so many like large ensemble stuff, percussion ensemble stuff. Um, it's crazy. But anyway, who cares about me? Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good too. I just kind of had a long day of doing some getting back, trying to get back in the swing of practicing. I've been kind of having a little bit of an off week, but it's getting better. Things have been getting a lot better. And we're also joined here today with a good friend of mine, composer, arranger, middle school band director, the list goes on, social musician. media influencer, overall. musician, overall good guy. <laughs> Everything. Keegan Fountain. How you Yay. doing, buddy? Uh, hello. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. We're excited but, to have you. Ah, oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Um, <laughs> So I'm uh, I'm Keegan Keegan Fountain from uh, Keegan Fountain Music the uh, the brand new new in the past year company. Um, I am a like Michael said percussionist composer arranger uh, middle school mu general music teacher. So I teach uh, the kids the the importance of music and not how to play, which I want to, but teaching general music is also fun but yeah it's uh good to be here i'm excited for all the stuff we're going to talk about and to catch up with you guys all and everything like that all right everyone so if you're wondering what today's podcast is about today we're going to be talking about percussion and mainstream audiences and how we as percussionists can cater to those gen more general musical audiences so i don't know about you guys but for me personally like no offense to like some percussionist but sometimes i feel like you know like marimba music or like some certain like chamber music it's i want percussion to be more like mainstream i'm like because i mean like lizzo for example she plays flute and like flutes like can be classical or whatever but sometimes like she plays like her flute and like her pop tunes which is like super awesome um, and I wish like more percussionists would be out there doing that. So like, Keegan, it's really awesome that you're like opening the door to the world of like people and just like introducing like percussion to people. Cause like sometimes I'm like people just like, they're thinking, oh, like either they're just playing this tiny little triangle in the back of the like orchestra or like, it's like drum set, but like, it's so much more than that. And yeah so keegan can you just tell us like how you got into like being famous and like what's your story and like yeah um, all this stuff well 
Yeah, well, I wouldn't say that I'm famous, famous, um, but I do, I do feel like one of my main kind of um, causes or things that I'm passionate about is combining percussion and mainstream music. Um, I think that for the most part, like my entire life or my entire musical career, um, I've been able, I've had a lot of kind of control over the stuff that I either play or am learning. I've had a lot of control over my learning, um, whether it be in high school, whether it be in college or even after college and in real life. So the stuff that I've, the music that I've been very interested about, I've been able to either pursue learning or pursue implementing it into the musical, either compositions or pieces that I'm writing for myself or for other people. Um, Cause I definitely think listening to the, being able to listen and sing along and kind of enjoy the music that you're listening to um, definitely improves the piece for not just you, but your audience and everyone else who is listening. So it's definitely a, it's definitely a, a genre and movement that is not like the biggest concern of percussion or hasn't been, but I feel like in the past couple of years, it's definitely become a much bigger focus in the, not only percussion community, but um, instrumental community or musician community in a whole. Um, you see more people and more like concerts and performers in general using live instruments, like you said, Lizzo. Um, we have Jacob Collar for a great example, who went on tour for like a year and a half, just doing a one man band um, with all the instruments and stuff. And people are really, really digging that stuff and really hungry for it. So I feel like it's really blown up in the past couple of years and I've just kind of been one of the people on the wave, um, but I'm really excited for what it, what happens to it in the next couple of years as um especially as people are coming out of the pandemic and wanting to perform together again um and live music's coming back and everything so great stuff but i feel like that hunger and crave for live music is definitely evolving it's definitely evolving at this time and over the next couple of years yeah awesome i actually have a question for you of course so awesome yeah when TikTok first came out, like, what were your, like, what were you thinking? Like, was your goal to be like, I want to be famous? Or were you just kind of doing it more like, oh, this like sounds fun. And I just want to like share my music with people. And I'm, yeah. Like, what was your thinking? And well, what was your thinking when you got famous? Because you're being too <laughs> humble right now. Uh, it's a great question. Um, well, it's actually interesting because as a composer, um, in college, I always thought that like the whole mindset of like com um, composition and composing was like hiding behind the the pen and paper and having like a lot of like the um, responsibility and stuff on the performer, which is great working with performers and stuff. But I felt like going into college, like that was kind of like my thing. Cause I had only, I had performed in marching band and stuff, but I was never, I was like, I'm not a performance major. Like now I get to focus on composition um so I was never never had in mind kind of being a performer and then the pandemic hit um and then I was fortunate enough to find a 
uh, vibraphone on Facebook Marketplace for $500. Um, yeah, a steal. Um, so that was a huge turning point in my life. Um, so my parents bought me it, um, bought me a, bought me that vibe for my graduation present. Um, and I, at that point, like I hadn't played like a mallet instrument for, I think four months or yeah, like approximately like four months since the beginning of the pandemic until like a couple weeks after I graduated. Um, so it was like, it was really interesting having like another mallet instrument in my house because I had one that I borrowed from the school in high school but like since then it was never like in my house so with that um getting back into like kind of practicing and having all the time of the pandemic um kind of got me back into practicing and it made me re kind of learn the love that I had for performing and kind of not just spending a lot of time writing but also getting um behind like a board and being able to use it whenever I wanted and stuff like that um so that getting the my, my vibe was definitely the thing that the precursor and catalyst for me starting my TikTok because I was like now I have this thing that I've been practicing for four years and yeah. now can actually like like play and actually record videos and stuff um and it, a lot of my content and stuff, uh, my first couple of videos on TikTok were actually just videos that I ripped from my Snapchat story. Because um, I'd be like, oh, look at it. I learned this song and posted on my Snap. Um, and that was kind of like my beginning content and kind of what got me into like, oh, and like at the same time, TikTok was picking up. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll get on this. Um, so I remember correctly it was musically before um and no one like really took it seriously um but then started picking up and everything and I was like oh this is kind of a it's kind of cool um and then I really at the height of when I was um posting um well at the beginning of when I started to really get into posting was when um I realized how easy like duetting videos was um because I always had like the, the handicap or, or not handicap, but like st what stopped me was the fact that you have to have like headphones plugged in to like actually get good sound. Um, and I could never find a position to kind of like have my phone recording, but also have free movement, um, which is like much easier if you're playing like a brass instrument or like singing because it's like right there and you can face it. Um, but yeah, once I figured out kind of like the formation and was like, oh, now I can start um, duetting videos and doing kind of participating more in the trends and stuff that was going on, um, like at TikTok, like the other, um, it, the other trends and stuff. And with that, um, I got involved with the musician kind of community on TikTok, um, meeting other content creators, kind of going direct messaging back and forth. Um, one of my favorite things about TikTok, like making videos was the chains that you can make with just like, it'll be like 40 musicians just next to each other. Um, it looks like it's going on to infinity. Um, but then having everyone kind of being able to contribute and just pass it along was like, it's like one of my favorite things about the app because it just gave so many people during the pandemic like time and um, 
a place to kind of be creative with other people, but also um, be able to do it like safe and keeping their uh, sanity um, while everyone was in quarantine. So I know you're in a role, you're doing great. So I, I have a question. Is, is there like a specific TikTok that comes to mind? It was like, kind of like when it started was like, I, I got, I, I really want to do that. Or like, I really need to duet this. Like I'm feeling it. Is there something like specific or is it kind of just like a slow, eh, I want to try. Or is it like, I remember that guy doing something uh, or singing uh, the Weller Men or something. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, the one that came to mind when you just mentioned it was there there a couple, I think it was in the spring or like early summer of last year of 2020, there was a trend of um, the Bill Withers song, Just the Two of Us that circulated for like a couple months. Um, and oh, there's this one, um, she's brilliant on TikTok. She has like millions of followers. Um, I forget her name, but um, she started, um, she posted a video with just her um, singing and playing guitar. Um, and then a bunch of kind of other really cool cats on TikTok, um, on this music side of TikTok, um, started joining in. Um, and then I added my, my flavor and my vibes with the vibes. Um, and I got to talk to, I became friends kind of uh, over TikTok with them. And it was really, it was really interesting because they're kind of, uh, it's interesting that there's like a, almost like a hierarchy of like musicians on TikTok also, or things that where you can see like, oh, like if you're in like the music scene or like on the music algorithm of TikTok, like these are the people that are gonna keep coming up um, just because of like their content production or um, the amount of viewers and response that they get. Um, so becoming friends and kind of talking with those ki kinds of people that were almost like the Addison Rays or like the Charlie D'Amelio's of like music TikTok, um, being able to collaborate with them so easily and interchangeably kind of communicate was really cool. So it was definitely my, the just the two of us video. Also because I accidentally did like a really dope chord voicing um, and was like, oh, I'm keeping this, this, uh, this take, so. So yeah, yeah, it was that one. Yeah, I really love, I think like, when I think of like the musician change, they, they get, they can be really simple. They could like, you know, like you said, just a cover of uh, just the two of us, or it could be something very weird, like an AC unit. One that I always love is a frog just kind of mm -hmm. doing its things and a whole bunch of people made it jazz. And I just, yeah, I love it so much. I listen to it for that hours. Video. Um, yeah, thanks. Michael, did you have a question? Yeah, I was just gonna say I just went on your TikTok again to find it. I found the exact thing with the frog doing the cover of September. <laughs> yep, that's like one. Of, that's like one of my favorite things. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I was gonna ask you earlier, um, what got your interests in pop music more than like say this style of music that everyone's kind of more like the classical side of things? What got you more into the pop side? What were the jazz side? Was there anything uh, like really inspirational album or good experience you had in undergrad or high school or middle school, anything like that? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and this kind of goes back to um, when Sulin had mentioned our first question and then I had talked about my 
kind of fluidity in what I was studying and what I was learning. Um, it definitely, I started kind of composing by writing, like I was composing on GarageBand when I originally started because I didn't know how to read music until my junior year of high school. Um, so like sophomore, freshman and sophomore year, I did like all of the marching band shows by ear um, or like basically added. It, I was actually super- like, That's shit. amazing. I'm sorry to like interrupt, but that's like amazing. Oh, I could well, never do that. Well, it was like, I had one other person that was um, with me because I, well, I started freshman and sophomore year on synthesizer and then moved on to Marimba junior and um, senior year. So, but I had already had many years of kind of piano, self-teaching myself piano. Um, but I guess pop music goes all, yeah, I guess it does go all the way back to the beginning. So let me, yeah, the day that I was born, um, no. Um, but the way that I kind of got into music in general was um, my grandmother, got my sister like a little 49 key piano and she never used it. So then I got it. And then I started like kind of like messing around and stuff, learning some songs. Um, and then in the first like year, first two years of me kind of teaching myself piano, I would turn on like the radio and I would just try and play the song, whatever song was playing on like the pop AT40 station. And I would try to play it by the end of the song. Um, and radio just keeps going. So like each time, every three minutes, I was like playing a different song, trying to get the chords in the left hand and get the melody in the right hand. Um, so like my whole kind of musical journey, journey started with pop music. Um, and then I did marching band, um, which was marching band music and it was fun. But then I like learned, that's where I learned like percussion and stuff like that. Um, and then when getting like the technique and like theory and stuff preparing for college. And then it was really interesting that when I got to Ithaca, when I was working with Gordon Stout and Conrad Alexander, uh, my two favorites, um, they, they treated the studio, the percussion studio a little bit differently than kind of like the other studios that I've heard of or seen. Um, with the way that they taught like lessons and stuff was you go in like you talk and it was a lot of kind of um a, a lot of kind of ped, uh, pedagogical stuff and just kind of big life stuff um but also when we were doing music they asked us what we wanted to play they never they never forced like any piece, oh, well, except for like excerpts or stuff that we had to do for like ensembles and stuff. But like if we were learning solo rep, it was all stuff that we all, and this is like everyone in the studio, like we just brought them what we wanted to learn like for the semester and stuff. And they, Gordon and Conrad would just say, okay, how can we, how can we make these pieces the best that you can play them? And like, how, what can I do to kind of help you make this piece the best that you want to do because you want to play this like like what can I offer you um and that was a kind of a, also a huge um inspiration for me um because I really I really enjoyed kind of like the freedom of being able to choose the rep that I want to learn um and it definitely inspired kind of like the music that I 
want to write because I was definitely drawn to pieces that were um, that I enjoyed hearing or wanted to play or I felt like that I could benefit from um, in terms of my own composition and stuff like that. So yes, pop music has been kind of like a huge foundation of my musical career from like the beginning and the the amount of choice that I've had throughout my musical career has also um, kept that pillar strong and has there definitely there definitely has been times where it's kind of um, been shaken a little bit uh, through at various stages of my life and through um, especially during college, but on the composition from more of my composition studies side, not with not clutching to pop music, but also having there was a little bit of slight pushback, valuing kind of new age and mainstream music and having to study like Scherenberg and stuff like that, which I eventually like got through and everything. But at the beginning, um, it definitely was an, an eye-opening moment but not to say that I don't see the the value that people hold to it and stuff like that so like I know that probably social media like I mean just like in general it has its like benefits but it also has its what's the opposite word of benefits downfalls <laughs> bad benefits so like has there have has there ever been a time or like multiple times where like it kind of like social media, like Instagram and TikTok, especially like, like kind of set you back? Like, were there like haters that, I don't know, were mean to you and were like, I hate the way that you play the vibes. You're like, you're doing it wrong because I mean, not to like put myself or whatever in like, I don't know just like for me i would be afraid basically to to be scared that like they're like oh she can't hold those mallets correctly or whatever or like this mm -hmm. is like incorrect like do you ever i don't know worry about something kind of like that like oh like why is he playing the vibes like that or like oh. this is wrong or just like that you're wrong but also or do you just like not give a poop about like what people think or like say Oh yeah, definitely. So there's def I have two kind of sides to this answer. Um, one side is that I definitely I've okay. So I've never really had any terrible, terrible experiences with people with haters or anything like that, um, and I I guess that's very lucky um and stuff like that um and i've been very fortunate to not have any terrible experiences um but also knowing with posting content on like a music page and stuff and i mean like we all have music uh like instagrams and stuff uh we're friends and bigger percussionists follow us um at various degrees um and i do there has been times like when I'm recording stuff um and I'm like repping it and I'm trying to get it ready for a final take um I'll be like oh like I know that 
if this person watches this video, they're going to miss, they're going to know that notes like was wrong or something like that. Or I'll like, there's a few people just like that aren't like my, I mean, like are almost like they're like my practice subconscious teachers to kind of keep me, um, to keep me in check with myself, um, to make sure that like, I'm not settling too much um because also at the same time I don't have I I very much view my social media like content as not I don't want to have it just so as like content for everyone else for to be like look at me and everything like that um I also especially in like my TikTok and everything like that it's all to basically, so if TikTok ever closes down or something like that, I'll have just like an hour long video or like a couple hour long video of just minute long clips of just fun things that I was playing, um, fun moments in my life. Like sometimes like, and I don't mean to sound narcissistic, but sometimes I'll go back and watch some of my old TikToks and like, just like go to like the middle of my page and like go up or down um but also it's like almost like life moments like I was I can remember as I'm watching like the video like oh I remember how I was feeling that day when I was recording that video um and stuff like that so as much as it is content to be for everyone's consumption it's also kind of like a a diary or sorts like a journal so that I can kind of like know where I was when I was making the video and also like just having like landmarks and stuff um, so that when I, I can go back and look at it and enjoy it as kind of like my own work. I was gonna ask you about some of your favorite projects you've worked on or some of your favorite collaborations you've done and then maybe like your favorite written piece you've done too. Like your favorite like TikTok huh. projects and like your favorite like published piece of work. Yeah, um, okay. I will start with, I'll start with TikTok so then we can use my published work as a semi-transition or as a segue. Boom, boom. Um, so my favorite TikTok uh, collaboration, um, I would say it was a collaboration that never happened. <laughs> Bum, bum, bum. Um, I a lot of like the the chains and stuff like that um, it like I said has has kind of fueled uh, friendships and kind of connections online but there's also something called the jazz talk community um, which is a huge discord channel of um, jazz musicians and um, just musicians and performers that are all in this discord that when someone wants like an arrangement done or has like a jazz piece that they want to have performers for they submit on the discord and um, can get those performers and musicians for that project so this is like a secret society it's literally like a secret society um, I hope you don't get any trouble for talking about it today 
Yeah, I may have some people knocking on my door tomorrow. Mm, um, scary. Yeah, I don't want that for you. I'll protect yeah. you with my mallets. Good. Thank you. Uh, I'll have you standing guard. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Okay. But um, but yeah, um, the jazz talk community is like kind of like my favorite community that I found on TikTok, and like meeting them and seeing kind of like the discord channel like there's always like people calling for performers and i unfortunately have never been in a time where i was able to commit because they it's it's different from the content that i do or not different just the way that they do it because they do it way more official than the videos that i do um like I, my basic mic setup is the Apple headphones. And that's just kind of like where I've been. Um, but they, because it's a much bigger kind of like project that they like have people record parts, send them, have someone edit them um, and like make like the whole like video edit. So they, there's an, uh, I'll plug the Jazz Talk official uh, TikTok page um, for the listeners to go check out um but yeah great group of people one of the call for performers and composers this one was a call for composers they wanted to do um uh another uh pianist tick uh tiktok creator wanted to do a jazz arrangement of the wandavision theme to post on the jazz talk page um and i was very close to working on that project with them but it was at a time where school and marching band were both picking up and I wasn't able to. So that would have been an amazing collaboration, but it was a collaboration that never happened. But soon um, there will be a, a nice kind of collab on Jazz Talk official, hopefully that I will be a part of. The favorite piece, favorite written piece was the other one, I think. Um, I'll answer this quickly. Um, I Dream of the Moon is my favorite written piece um, that I've done just because of how much, how much people have been inspired by it or like have been evoked some kind of emotion or thought. And then, cause that's the most, that's the piece that most people come up to me and are like, wow, like that was really, um, that was really inspirational and stuff. For the viewers um, and listeners who have, um, haven't seen I Dream in the Moon, it's a vibe solo, seven-part vibe solo that I wrote my freshman year of college. Um, and the story that continues throughout the seven movements is of a young boy who is in his backyard and with his imaginary friend, and look, he's looking up at the moon at night, and then he starts to he starts to make this whole plan about how he's going to get to the moon and he builds a rocket and shoots up to the moon and all there's a bunch of programmatic stuff in the music where you can hear kind of the story um being told through the music um and i was also fortunate enough to know or have connections um through the percussion studio um through Ujjal Bhattacharya um, and one of his friends, Nehemia Russell, who did the illustrations and uh, visual accompaniment for the piece um, that's projected behind the performer on like a, on a projector or like a screen. Uh, so that is definitely my favorite written piece because of kind of the 
amount of thought and emotion behind it and because of the amount of experience and the experiences that other people have had that have also helped me meet more people and have them share the piece and um, just interact with more people as more people are exposed to it. So Keegan, I had a question for you while we're on the, like, the topic of content and projects. Um, so I'm gonna throw out some questions and feel free to kind of like answer these openly. Okay. Can, can you talk about like protect, how your feelings and thoughts about protecting your content um, one kind of just like your basic copywriting and like also some people like putting like oh I bought this piece of music let me share a pdf for the world to see but also like for your medias um, like people sharing your content like do you feel do you prefer that you'd have them like ask you for permission like I know with tiktok and duetting that can be it's iffy because now it's like is it both your content is it just yours and added is it pair like a lot of that gets mixed up and sometimes someone completely repost your stuff, but not put your name in it or even like crop out everything that says you. Um, and I know, especially like young people who might want to get into this might not, might not necessarily know. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting question. And I feel like I have an interesting perspective for that specific question. Um, so it's kind of the two worlds of like, with the stuff that I'm involved in, um, the, the stuff that like I post on TikTok, if it's like duets or like adding on to someone's, like I don't, I, someone's work, then I don't really consider it my work. But also if I'm, there are people who like, or like you'll see like TikToks get thrown up on the news and sometimes they'll like just crop off like the account name or something. Um, and I mean, like that definitely happens. Um, but I also, I don't post a ton of my original content or um, intellectual property on TikTok, uh, just because I feel like it's not the, not the, the platform for it. Uh, Instagram is different because obviously everything that you post is tied to your account specifically. Um, and Instagram does a good job of having stuff uh, continuously tagged. Like if you like share a story, like it puts like the name, um, like it, it, you'd have to like try hard to like crop someone's information out. I feel like now uh, more than ever, uh, more than it was before. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, looser with the social media aspect of my the stuff that I put out um, but that's just because I feel like they're separate worlds or at least I feel like bridging them together is one of the one of the goals but um, but yeah so but it differs definitely with the scores and compositions that I've written because um, that's totally a totally different animal um at the beginning of when I started composing and like actually like putting my stuff up um how did I first put I made okay so I made did I have anything before that I can't remember COVID was like feels like so long 
like so long ago i i guess i made my website at the beginning of covid um and started putting pieces up yeah it had to yeah i'd say beginning of covid so like maybe like last april april 2020 i made my website and that was again at the start where i was like you know maybe now that like i'm basically graduated because in march of at the beginning of the pandemic starting in march and then i graduated in may like in march i felt like i had already graduated so like by the end of the month i was like i'm in the real world i got to start like doing music stuff for myself so i made my website and started like posting my pieces on my website but i also was still a broke recent graduate and couldn't buy like the full weebly account website so i mean and I mean, even now, like my my account, my website is still the free domain, um, but I couldn't have like a, a shop option on my website. So I wanted to share music, but couldn't afford to have like a shop for people to buy my music. So I started putting pieces that were downloadable from my website for free. And that was a gamble because there, I mean, like, there's definitely people that like, and I mean, we're seeing it right now or in the past couple of months with the whole scribed um, dispute in the percussion community um, and all that stuff, which I was also the person who told Gordon Stout about scribed, about his piece, Two Mexican Dances being on scribed um, in my private lesson with him, like my junior year. Um, I don't want to say that I started the revolution, but I was definitely a, a catalyst. Um, but so putting pieces on my website for free was definitely a gamble because I didn't want to get ripped off, but I also wanted to have my music out there as an emergency or as an emergent as an emerging composer. Um, so and I also learned a lot of stuff along the way. Like I should probably put my, like a copyright on the PDFs that I'm giving out or like my, instead of just my name at like the top. So like things like, even like the original- Like a watermark. Other, not even, I don't even have a watermark on it. Like it, like the pieces that I had for, for free download were just kind of like the scores. But like even at the, bo the bottom, like adding things like, k fountain and then like parentheses ascap or something like that like those kind of like editorial things i've learned um throughout the process like things like adding like a title page so it's not just like download and then sheet music like making it look a little bit more professional um all things that like i've had to like learn in the process but um but yeah at the beginning I had some pieces out for free and it actually helped me in the long run because it got my music out there. Um, and unless my music is sitting, I mean, it probably is sitting on like some Russian hard drive, like somewhere in like over there. Cause I feel like all the whole internet's somewhere. Um, but I, everyone that's kind of, also, because I didn't have the full website, I wasn't able to track who was downloading my pieces. Like, it would just show me like, oh, seven people joined or um, visited your website today. 
and like went to your sheet music section and I'd be like cool but couldn't tell who was downloading it like how like how many like any any kind of like the um the info or details about that so um but and then people started reaching out to me and I started getting like Venmo payments because I had my Venmo in the the top of the sheet music part and that also kind of got me connected with people and got my music out there and I've met a bunch of people through that kind of of them having my music for free um and now since I've kind of like my pieces are more like knowledgeable I wouldn't say that I'm I wouldn't say that I'm famous famous yet but now that I'm kind of like more than two people will recognize me maybe on all marimba players like an emerging artist an emerging emerging artist um I have taken since taken down um most of the free pieces that I have whether um whether because most of them have also become published um through heartland marimba or eastern hill music so those pieces i obviously had to take down um but there are still free pieces on my website that because i don't want people to and this is definitely something that we've all come across where you're like oh i want to like learn this piece or like find the music and then or you're looking at someone someone's music and you you don't know how like how their writing is or like whether you want to play it but then you just have to like basically decide whether you want to pay for it or not and just get hit with like kind of like the payment wall um so I also didn't want people especially during the pandemic to be sitting at home and want to pursue new music um but not like want to pay money um so that was kind of like the inspiration at the beginning but since then um my work has kind of been a little bit more controlled also so that I could the other pieces that are not that are still unpublished have are on my website unlisted are listed but don't have a download link and it just says um reach out to me if you want to if you want the music because I'm super friendly um which is also good because I get to track who is playing and trying to access the pieces but also I get to make connections with the performers that are directly trying to play them and they're able to like ask questions and able to form that dialogue which i've definitely um really loved throughout the process yeah very cool so um on the topic of find like bringing your music out to other people i was i did a quick youtube search of you and one of the first things i found was someone from the kennedy center playing one of your pieces can you talk yes. about that a little bit Scott Christian, um, he is the um, principal timpanist for the National Symphony Orchestra in DC. Um, super cool cat, super cool guy. Um, he played Skipping Stones in the Kennedy Center, the Grand Foyer, I think is what it's called. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful area, beautiful setup that they did. Um, and Scott and I originally met through, if I can remember correctly, it was because he saw my music on my, on the, on my website through the, um, let me backtrack a little bit. There was a great 
resource put together at towards the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and I think pretty sure Ivan Trevino had a good part hand in it of um, BIPOC composers, uh, percussion pieces by, by POC composers. Um, and that definitely was something that set people off to look into my music. Like I actually had a lot of people that reached out for that reason saying like, hey, like I saw your music on the, on the catalog um, and wanna, wanna buy one of your pieces and stuff like that. Um, and if I can remember correctly, that's the reason why or how Scott and I met and he um, and I just started talking and we were talking about I Dream in the Moon and Skipping Stones. Um, and it was definitely one of the best kind of relationships that I've gotten um, out of kind of the craziness of the pandemic as everyone was trying to figure out and make sense of what was going on, um, the connections, continuing connecting with performers and musicians virtually early on was definitely a, a good thing that I was lucky that I accidentally started doing um but yeah yeah one of the thing yeah that's great um one of the things that's like so great about percussion that sets us apart from you know a lot of the other you know instrument family instrument communities that all of our composers more or less are still alive and like yeah i'm taking advantage mm -hmm. of this like last last year i was playing what was it two Twilight Fanfares out of the Blue Book um, by, oh no, I'm calling, uh, uh, Kyle Forstop. And one, it was cool because he reached back to me and he was like, hey, yeah, that's great. Send me a copy of, send me a video or we can, we can talk about it. That's, that, I was just shocked that one, we can do that too. Other people can. I was like, hey, he emailed my composers. It's like, you what? Um, but like also think about like the music side, because we were talking about kind of, you know, marketing yourself, kind of talking about all these medias, you know, part of that price, kind of especially with like the smaller posting things, part of that price is letting uh, is like networking. So we probably have some young audience members like, do I buy this piece? Do I not? But you buy this piece, but also be like, hey, reach out to the composers and see if we could, you know, talk about it, learn a bit more about the piece rather than just like sheet music. Yeah. And that's actually pretty funny um, because I totally agree with that, that there are a lot of like the big, I mean, like we talk about like the big marimba composers, like obviously like Stout, Stevens, uh, Burrett, Casey, uh, Pius, and like everyone, like there's like a bunch of just amazing um, percussion legends that are like still like reasonably alive <laughs> like they're all like good age um and we're just kind of able to and being able to have them all as like teachers also um like we all have kind of main all of our teachers are kind of big in the percussion world and having being able to have access to that is amazing um it's speaking of me not being as famous as I wish I was. I have two students that are doing catching shadows in the, my high school students. Um, and they are, they've been practicing it for a couple of weeks. 
um and nonchalantly the other day I was just like oh like you know I could probably like get you guys in like a zoom call with Ivan and they were just like wait what you know Ivan and I was like I mean like basically we're colleagues like I could probably get I mean like we're friends on Facebook and everything and that's like the great thing about the percussion community is that like because everyone's like still like alive and like still like rocking like they're all still people that are living daily lives at the same time and I've also found like in the percussion community that like there's not a lot of like snooty people that are like up at the top or like up in the community um as like I'm, I'm I mean like I've heard other stories from other instrument families and stuff like that um but for the most part like everyone the percussion community is just very like accepting and um very friendly and I feel like being with it being like a new community kind of going up in the past couple decades it's beneficial for everyone wow after this podcast I don't know you're just gonna get like a bunch of fan fan I hope so and everybody yeah I'm like wow you're so cool at the tour bus (laughs) yeah exactly you're gonna get that you're gonna be like more popular than One Direction and Justin Bieber just just get ready I'll be your security guard like I said oh with with your mouths yeah exactly right yeah perfect guard (laughs) yeah okay so I know that we have to wrap up kind of soon but I do have one final question for you so like obviously you're a composer and I'm kind of just curious like like what's your process and like like how do you just like start with like a piece are you like do you like play on the piano or like the vibes and you're like boop 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 and you're like yeah this sounds awesome or like yeah how does it how do you just like make music oh that's that's a great question so percussion in retrospect like we said is like new um and I feel like has also evolved the music with it has also evolved simultaneously with the music of the time um instead of kind of like violin or flute music i mean it, like etudes like mozart and like all that stuff like it's all it's all like back there like with the music of the time um but with it kind of being new i feel like there's a lot more avenues and stuff that we can do with percussion um so with that i love pretty melodies and stuff like that so I, writing pretty melodies and stuff on marimba is easy, but making them performably, like technically difficult enough to be to an exciting enough level that someone is like, hey, like I wanna play this because it's like a melody in the four mallet with like an ostinato bass in the one and two with like another inner voice, like an alto voice in the three. Um, and all those things going together could be an art like thank you next or something like that. Um, but the way that it's presented and the technical technical challenging part of it um, is kind of the mid ground that I find myself writing a lot for or a lot of like my, my process. And that is, I, I guess most are very apparent in my the recent content that I've been doing that haven't been duets um, on Instagram, more on Instagram because I haven't been posting them on TikTok as much, but um, doing like arrangements of like these pop songs, like well, one of my favorites recently was The Rather Be uh, by 
clean bandit uh song that i did where it's like a technically challenging kind of like arrangement but it is also like fun to play it's something that is like easy to listen to and pleasing to the ear it's also still technically challenging and making it in that technically challenging aspect is where a lot of the fun is and where I write because and then it's transferable to stuff that like when I'm just composing and making and coming up with new pieces um, I kind of go for a melody that I would enjoy listening to maybe like in an Ariana Grande song but putting it to the chords that I want and the kind of formation that I want and also making it technically challenging where it's not something that is super readable right away but it's also visually um telling to the audience that although this is like maybe maybe it could be a four chord pop sounding song um that the performer has obviously put like weeks and like time into practicing it um and that's kind of like where the evolution and progression um of someone performing it could get kind of like the technical the technical aspect um which it doesn't always have to be like something like con or it's just crazy stuff everywhere ariana grande but con that's what <laughs> oh my god the remix of ariana grande and con together <laughs> yeah i think that would be a bop yeah, and I think for a lot of these reasons that you mentioned, that percussion writing has really gotten into this golden age. You can go one way, like you can go that con direction, and like try to write all this really crazy, complicated stuff. But you can also take the time to go write in the pop style and all this other things, like the rise of TikTok. So, yeah. And I also want to add something to that because something that is also huge with like this whole evolution of kind of like percussion literature is percussion and voice like in the same style like that's a huge thing that's coming up right now um rosie sarah shown Sircone, um i i love her videos like she does a lot of kind of vocal uh vibe stuff and it's interesting because it's almost like in the same style as someone would sing and play uh, with a guitar with a kind of like the strumming or four voice or kind of the chordal accompaniment with lyrical melody so I'm, that's actually something that I'm also trying to get into. There are more and more people looking for that kind of literature that isn't there yet. So. Yeah, very good. There's also um, one popped in my head, theatrical percussion. Yes. Like I know Casey had this piece for just Tam Tam where it's like a bunch of this kind of stuff. And he has like the theatrics whole series. There's a couple of them. They're just like this and Mark Applebaum's aphasia and all stuff like that. I feel yes. that's, that's like more performance art, I feel like. Well, I guess it's like both. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was, percussion's kind of adopted those lately. I don't know why actually, we're not playing any real drums of aphasia, but like we still, as percussionists, do it for some reason. Mm -hmm. It's cool. For, for, my senior like recital, for my senior recital, I'm actually playing a piece called Three Winter Carols by Stuart Sunder Smith, which is four mallet bells with nice. spoken dialogue. It, it, it's fun. Wow. Real, real creative, we percussionists. With uh, that performance aspect and kind of that stuff, and I'll plug another piece, my Apollo 11 piece, um, which was a commission by, uh, from Jake Staffen at Ithaca. Um, and for everyone who hasn't seen it, it's literally 
um, a, a multi-setup piece um, put to the actual CNN broadcast of the Apollo 11 launch and the actual broadcast that was around the country. And there's a, it's super programmatic and it's right at the time of the launch of it going into space. And there's bass drum rolls for like the rocket boosters. And there's uh, a, a super cool part where when the rockets up past getting past the atmosphere, there are triangles that are on around the performer's head that are supposed to imitate stars. And in the last kind of 30 or so measures, they're hitting triangles all around their head to kind of be like glimmering stars um, as the shuttle goes into space. So theatrical and performance art and percussion is also super cool and super big right now. So great point. So, yeah, thanks for being on here, Keegan. It's been awesome to get to chat with you here about the whole composition process, TikTok and everything like that, all the social media aspects. Thanks for having me. You're so cool. <laughs> I'm totally just like mind blown with everything. Yeah. Um, like yeah. I, I've always wanted to get into what you're doing, but I was always like too scared. But now it's just, okay, maybe I, maybe I can. No, he's uh, such a nice person. Uh, no, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Yeah, what a great role model. <laughs> wow, so cool. Thank you. Listen up, little children. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is that it for today, guys? Cool. All right. Yeah. And, and cool. Keegan, yeah, any cool. last any last words? No, any kidding. last words? I want yeah. to I could give advice to the listeners. Uh, don't falter from what you want to do because you will eventually get to a point where you will be able to do that. And if you don't feel like you are prepared when you get to that point, you'll be sad that you ventured and got pushed off from what you were really trying to do in the beginning. So don't let nice. anybody falter your, your dreams. It's a really good one. I love it. Very wise words. <laughs> Wonderful. Let's put it on a t-shirt. Yeah. All right. And with put that- Put a lot of things on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And with that, we end today's episode. Make sure you're still following us on Instagram at Tam's Perk Podcast and checking us out here on all of our platforms mentioned in the beginning. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Stay tuned for Adios, next week's folks. episode.